The title of my message is Fear and Faith Both Require Belief. <laughs> if you're going to believe for the good things, if you're going to believe for bad things, they both are beliefs. <laughs> so um, it's interesting how that we create these um, pathways in our thinking. You know, the studies have shown that um, in our mind we have the way of least resistance. The, lay of, the way of least resistance is the path that we've always taken. And the path that sometimes we take is nothing is ever going to be any good. Nothing ever works out for me. Um, you should see what happened last time. You should, be, you know, and on and on again. And people, some people are just, there's nothing good ever happened in their life. And if something good does happen, it's only a precursor to something bad. <laughs> so that's kind of like a negative pathway. Negative thinking is just like down, down that one particular road. Well, one of the things we have to do, well, belief is something. God has given to every one of us a measure of faith. So we all have faith. God's given it to us. Sometimes people use their faith to believe for bad things to happen. You know? Sometimes, with God's word, we use our belief to invest in the word of God, the scripture, to believe for good things to happen in our life. Now, it's more than just positive. It's not positive thinking, but it is, it is a positive outlook upon God's word that God is in charge and God will work all things together for good to those who love him, to those who are called. We are called to be his followers, called to be his children. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. So the scripture says, it isn't that we somehow discovered God. God has been looking for us and we found him. <laughs> you know, that... Uh, uh, sometimes whenever um, uh, some people get engaged or get married and um, it's like I chased her, I chased him until he caught me <laughs> or she caught me. I chased him until they caught me, you know. Um, well, the idea is God is chasing, as it were, chasing, calling, longing for us to be part of who he is. And finally, we wake up and see that God is there and we choose him and all along he's already chosen us. So the scripture that we have today is in 2 Timothy chapter 1. It says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God, has not, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control or of a sound mind. Now, um, so it takes faith to believe. <laughs> it takes faith to have soundness of thought that we are going to think the right things we're going to say the right things we're going to write as it were text how about that one text the right thing uh, we're going to put all these things in perspective and what is the right thing think on the things that are lovely that are pure of a good report if there be any virtue if there be any praise think on these things so God has already outlined how it is that we're supposed to conduct our thinking and how that God wants us to have an expectation. Now, so what have we learned to expect? <laughs> okay, what have we learned to expect? Notice this is, I mean, learned. We've learned to expect something. We've learned to expect failure, mistrust, things going wrong, or we've learned to expect. You see, study to show yourself approved unto God. Study the word of God 
so ye will know what to expect. So we study the word, we, have, we read the scriptures, we come to church, do Bible studies, do Sunday school, all of these things to give us the scriptures so we can learn what to expect. So we learn to expect promises to be fulfilled in our life. We, you know, we're not learning to expect broken promises. We've learned to expect good things. Now, the introduction of this uh, verse says, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. God has given to every one of us a measure of faith. That's a gift from God to us. He says in this scripture we are to fan into a flame. So how do you start a fire? Anybody ever start fires? Yeah. You know, we're trying to blow on it. What for? The oxygen in there will cause the, the flame to ignite even more. How about in a forge? where you're you know, melting iron and things the old days with the, horse and, uh, with the horseshoes and stuff. You, you have the bellows. And you're, what are you doing? You're fanning the flame. And you're fanning the flame. It gets hotter and hotter. And rather than just being a, uh, a normal, as it were, heat or something burning, it, it glows and becomes really hot. Um, when we were moving... Uh, don't anybody do this. It's not suggested that you do this. This is, uh, this is not something that you do. Do not experiment. Do not try, okay? Uh, I had this um, burner, you know. It was, it was about this high, and it was kind of used for hot coals and stuff. You could cook on it and stuff. And then it had a grate around it, and then it had a lid on top of it. So the grate was about two feet around the outside of it. So I was burning papers, I mean, I had stacks and stacks of papers that we were burning. Well, you pile paper into a big container like that, and it doesn't burn. It just kind of sets there and smolders. So, knowing how to fan a flame, I started up my weed blower. <laughs> and I, I fanned that flame. I stuck that weed blower up in there and cranked it up. You know, I stuck it on the edge. It melted the edge of the weed, weed whacker. But I put that thing in there, and you would be surprised how hot that got. <laughs> and I just had fire going everywhere, you know. Fortunately, there was snow out there. But I had flames going out of there, and, you know, it, it really speeded up the burning process. So what was I doing? I was fanning into a flame. <laughs> so... Sometimes we have to fan the flame of our faith. You know, whenever we hear testimonies, when we hear how God has blessed someone, when we, you know, rather than being jealous or, oh, that never happened to me, that's like fanning our flame rather than saying, wow, I know, that, you know, that happened to them, never happened to me. No, it happened to them, it can happen to anybody. It can happen to me. So that's kind of fanning the flame of our faith. God is going to do a new work, a new thing, uh, a greater thing in our life. So we're called upon to take the measure of our faith, the, fl the flame, the faith that God has given us, the measure of faith that God has given us, and we're supposed to fan it into a flame. So God has given us how much, you know, there again, how much faith does it take? Faith is a grain of mustard seed. It's the smallest. I had a mustard seed I brought back from Israel, <laughs> and uh, I don't know what happened to it. You know where it is. It's right there. I'll, you saved it. I put it in scotch tape because it is smaller than 
the pen, you know, you make an ink, you put an ink blot on a piece of paper. You put, uh, take your pen and you put a dot on your paper. The mustard seed is small, about half the size or a third of the size of that. And, and the scripture says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say unto this mountain, be moved. <laughs> so God, when, if we, I always say, if you have faith enough to ask, you have enough faith. So we're putting our expectations into perspective. We are fanning the flame and that we are to allow the blessing of God and to, to see, you know, the Bible, study the word. Study the word. Know what the word is saying. The scripture is telling us this is what God has done. And we're doing in Sunday school the Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And, you know, we're talking about how the, God's promise was to Abraham and then it's passed to Isaac. And then, of course, Isaac has two kids and they have a wonderful life. <laughs> two sons, Jacob and Esau, and they are feuding and the mother loves one and Jacob, the father, loves the other and they're constantly in battles. So anyhow, that's how this, we, we study that in Sunday school. Now, God has given us a spirit. Now, a spirit, he has given to us the Holy Spirit. Third person of the Trinity. God has given to us the Holy Spirit. Now, it's important that we understand that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in and knock us on the head and say, believe. The Holy Spirit speaks to our own heart and, and confirms. It isn't voices. It isn't, it's just a, 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 an understanding. There's a, a knowledge that we have on the inside. There's a knowing, okay? And that God is letting us know that he has given us this spirit. And this spirit is not of fear, okay? Not of fear. Now, whenever we say, um, let's see here, fear is a paralyzer, not a motivator. Said that many times over. All, I was thinking of this, all first responders, you know, the firefighters, the um, um, ambulance drivers, you know, all those who are first responders, they all have to go through training. Why? Because they have to go through training to know what to do in a certain situation. And so the more training you go through, the better prepared you are. So the, whenever we're studying the word and the word has been given to us, we are, and we're reading the scriptures and see how God has worked this out in other people's lives, we're, that's, our, that's our training. That's our first responders. You know, um, maybe some of you noticed these big airplanes coming into the airport. You know, some of them, and one of them has been Air Force One, <laughs> You know, the president's playing. And what is it doing in, in this area? Those pilots are doing touch and goes. And what is a touch and go? It is when pilots continue to train how to land. And once they get all the wheels on the ground and start to slow down, they pour the, the fuel to it and they take off again. It's called touch and goes. So the pilots are training over and over and over again how to land. Um, when we were up in, uh, up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, there, if you want to see a, a site, that was when, during the times when the SAC and the Strategic Air Command and the B-52s, if you want to see a site, you should see it, be underneath, you should be at the end of the runway where they're landing and see a B-52 come in 
and they do touch and goes with a B-52. <laughs> That's one massive airplane. But, but they also have simulators. Now, Rhonda's nephew, um, he is a trainer of pilots for the B-2 program, the stealth program, and uh, they have simulators. And you go in and they have to log so many hundreds, even thousands of hours in a simulator before they ever get to the plane. <laughs> and every time they change the computer system in the plane, or every time they're going to change the computer system in a plane, they have to go to the simulator to learn the system. I was fortunate enough to get in the simulator and I only crashed it twice. <laughs> so there went a $100 million airplane just by some, you know, but I wasn't in very long because he had to get me out of there. But, uh, but, uh, but you see, I, I think of the scriptures and what happens in the scriptures and the things that we read about in the scriptures. They are our simulators. They're letting us know this is what God has done, this is what God is doing in people's lives, and this is what happened. You know, if you're looking to be a perfect person, you don't find one in the scripture. <laughs> you know, if you're thinking that you have to be perfect, you're not, look, you're not reading the book. You know, I, I think of um, Peter. You know, Peter was impetuous Peter. You know, he was a fisherman. And he was a brawler. He was, you know, he was the down-on-the-dock type of guy, you know. And um, he, he just, he was a rough man. But Jesus changed his heart. But then, you know, afterwards, um, he denies Christ. And he gets, you know, very discouraged and whatever. And they all go back, you know, goes back to their previous profession because Jesus has risen from the dead and they don't know what to do. <laughs> and uh, Jesus goes to Peter, you know, different times. But this one time he goes to, Jesus, uh, to Peter and says, uh, Peter's been out all night fishing, hasn't caught a thing. So comes morning time. Jesus says, Peter, throw your net on the other side of the boat. <laughs> okay. I don't know, I don't fish very much, but I don't think throwing your fishing line on the left-hand side of the boat is any different than throwing it on the right side of the boat, okay? And you fished all night throwing it over the right, of the right side of the boat and you haven't caught a thing. I don't think throwing your fishing net over the left side is going to make much of a difference. But you see, when we, do th when we do something out of obedience, there is a reward. And Peter, knowing... Okay, Jesus, I know you're not a fisherman, but, you know, just to, you know, just to not offend you, I'll throw it on the other side. <laughs> well, there were so many fish, his net was breaking. You see, Jesus provided the fish for the net when Peter did the obedience. And whenever we're looking at this, we're, the scripture is telling us that, that our... Um, this reason I remind you to fan the flame, the gift of God, which is in you. God has already put it inside of us. So we're not trying to, we're not trying to create something. We're trying to bring out what's already there. We're trying to call upon what God has already placed in our heart. You know, we have to let go of the fears and the failures and the, the hurts and the pains and all those. We let go of them because they're not going to take us anywhere. They're always trying to pull us back. Our future's in front of us, and our future that God wants us to do is to love and forgive and have grace and mercy. And of course, we learn from our misfailures and we learn from our mistakes. You know, it isn't like we're blind. But we allow the Spirit to quicken us and we fan the flame, the gift that God has already given us, this measure of faith. And all I need is faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. 
and God is going to do something unique and creative inside of me. So, no fear. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of whenever uh, David Michael was uh, doing the downhill at, um, at one of the mountains in Vermont. They estimated their speed at between 60 and 70 miles an hour going down a hill. <laughs> and um, you ever see, you know, if you ever watch the Olympics and things, you see them in their head going through, the, going through the motions like this here, you know? What they're doing is visually making decisions on where the turns are. <laughs> because if you come to, you're coming to a rise and you can't see over the rise, you got to know which way the course is going, left or right. If you choose left and the course goes right, you're at 60 miles an hour hitting a tree. And you're not in a car. <laughs> you're just in a speed suit, downhill racing suit. So what they're doing is, and, and, and they, they go through all this, and at the top of the hill, you would not believe how many of those kids are losing everything <laughs> because of their nervousness and their and their being frightened at taking the, taking the course, but yet they still do it. And they still hit those amazing speeds and they do all that stuff. Well, God is telling us there's no fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. This is 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whosoever fears has not been perfect, perfected in love. Meaning that, now, I would be afraid to go 70 miles an hour on skis, <laughs> okay? I wouldn't, wouldn't mind if I was in a simulator. <laughs> I could hit the tree, and oh boy, I wouldn't want to do that. But in a simulator, I, I wouldn't do that. But doing it on skis or, you know, going 100 miles in a car or climbing a, a hill or whatever, no, no way. I, that's, that fear for me is... Not one I think God is telling you don't, I don't need to lose because I need to have that fear so I don't do stupid things like that. Now, some people know how to do those things and it's not foolish for them. But for me, it would be not so, not so bright. Well, anyhow, the fear that we have of living, the fear that we have of something going wrong, that nothing good ever happens, God is telling us that love pushes that kind of fear aside. I don't need to be afraid of today or tomorrow. I don't need to be afraid for my sister-in-law who, who may die. Uh, I don't need to be afraid for her dying because I know where she's going. She's safe. So I, it will hurt, but I don't need to be afraid. And, you know, the hundreds, maybe thousands of people that I've prayed with that were in that position of dying, I didn't have to be afraid for them. Because I, try, I would bring to them the love of God who forgives us of all sin and that forgiveness would bring a sense of peace, of love, and they're not afraid of dying. So the fear of living then is not what, it, it's, it's not God-based. The promises of God and what we've seen in the scriptures become our simulators that whether, Paul says, whether I live or die, I belong, no, that's, a, that's another scripture, that whether I live or die, I belong to the Lord. Nothing shall separate me. This is Paul's. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate me from God's love. So in that love, I am safe. 
Okay, this spirit is also a spirit of power. God has given us the spirit of power. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's uh, Romans 1.16. That I am not ashamed of the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ is the power of God for salvation. So when I read the scriptures, I have a sense of power. That there is, there is a strength in me to face life. There's a strength in me to face my difficulties. There's a strength in me to do what God has called me to do. Corinthians says, for the word of, um, for the, word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So when we know the word, knowing the scriptures, we have it in our heart, it is that scripture that God brings to our remembrance, which gives us the ability to deal with what's coming. Uh, Revelation says, Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection over such the second death has no power. You see, there is the power of God is that which works in our life through every situation, even the life, even living after death. And the fourth, the third is love, John 3, 16. For God so loved, he gave. So whoever lives and believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved, so love overcomes the, the issues. For God so loved that he gave. And I was, I was thinking of it this way, that... Um, Whenever, yesterday when I did a, mar- I did a wedding ceremony, and um, I'd never said this before because I never thought of it before. And often it was, you know, people had said in the past, you know, well, love, somebody else's love completes them. Then, of course, uh, other, other people objected to that because they were saying, well, you know, I don't need their love to complete me. I already am complete, you know, so it's okay. I understand that. So. Um, but yesterday I was thinking... My love for someone completes me. You see, God's love for you completes him because that's who he is. That's his nature. That's his character, to love you. He doesn't live on your love for him. God exists to love you. That's his character. Well, what about my sins? What? That doesn't, he, he is love to us. Nothing we can do or say can make God love us less or more because it is his character to love us and we are completed as we love God. And then as we look around and as we forgive people, we are continuing to complete the love that God has bestowed upon us. So whenever we are loving and we are forgiving, we are, we are doing what God does. We're allowing the character of God, the simulator, You know, we are seeing how this love is hanging on the cross and saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. For us, that's a simulator. We look at it and we see love of God expressed, but we weren't there that day. We didn't see it happening, but we read about it, and we read about the situations around it, and we read about what the death of Christ meant. So as we put all those together, that's our simulator of loving like Jesus. 
Romans 8.31, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So, perfect love displaces, pushes away, expels, throws out fear. So what shall we say to these things, this love? If God is for us, who can be against us? I thought of the hearing, <laughs> uh, Kavanaugh. I don't know if you watched it or not. But, you know, again, we're not there, we're not. But what I, what I thought of for him, for him, and the accusations brought against him, and, and again, we're not looking at, at the lady because she may have had these things happen. I just don't know if it happened with him, but he says no, she says yes, okay? But the attack upon his character, the attack upon something that happened when he was in high school, 1982. How many would love somebody to go back and look at your junior year in high school <laughs> and say, okay, this is the type of person you are today? And we know that we wouldn't want that. So um, because <laughs> we, in everybody's closet, there's a skeleton of some sort. But see, God doesn't look at our life that way. Only humans are capable of bringing up somebody else's failures to make them a failure today. We will even do it to ourselves. And it's, it's ironic, I think, that these individuals are against the church because they, the church is trying to establish rules of, of life and they're using rules of humanity to destroy someone else. It just doesn't make sense. I don't know if I explained it properly or not. But the idea is that we, have to, we, have to, we are accountable, okay? You know, because Christ forgives us, you know, it's like the one uh, person who was in prison for murder. And this was in Texas. And, um, you know, she was, it was a woman who had killed some, I don't know, one or two or three individuals, I don't remember. But she became a Christian in prison, and one of the, you know, uh, one of the defenses against her being executed was that she was a believer and her life has changed and she could be, um, she could be a model to other prisoners and, be, you know, all these types of things. But in the court system, they said, no, she's guilty of, of murder and she must die. And when she was being taken to the execution, she said that I am guilty of these charges. I'm guilty of what I've done, and I must pay for that crime, but I also know that God has forgiven me, and I know where I'm going. So there are consequences to our actions, but there is a greater understanding of God's love for who we are. And there's a greater understanding of God's forgiveness and how that God um, works in our life. Jesus, you know, and the, you know, the woman who was caught in the act of adultery is brought in and thrown in at his feet and everybody's ready to stone her. And Jesus says, well, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. <laughs> you see, he doesn't use our sins against us. He, al he allows us to recognize our sin, but then, he, then we recognize how great is his forgiveness. <laughs> I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Where are your accusers? And that's what we need to look at. Where are your accusers? It isn't God. 
God isn't the one who's bringing the accusations. It's, it's the enemy of our soul. It's the enemy of, what, of, of those who don't want us to get to a certain place. They bring in the accusations to try and destroy who we are as a person to not go forward. And that's exactly what happens in our life whenever we allow ourselves to be controlled by the accusations of something that is forgiven. God has forgiven me. He has a future for me. He has a plan for me. And we want God then to help us to reach that place. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. So we keep his word. We keep his word. That's why we we study the scriptures. That's why we come to church. (laughs) That's why we hear the sermons. We, We want to know what the word of God says and it becomes that anchor the rock of our soul the rock of our life so that we can grow on in our our maturity and we don't live long enough we can't live long enough to experience every fault and every problem but we have the stories of the scriptures that teach us how the word of God impacts people's lives when we're going through trials and tribulations we often go to Job (laughs) you know whenever we're uh Looking towards the future, we go to the book of Revelation and we go to the promises of Jesus. Um, The the fourth thing he said in that scripture was, God gives us a sound mind. (laughs) A sound mind. God has given us his Holy Spirit, which is uh, being able to allow our mind to be, not be blown about by the wind and waves. That for everything that comes by, we change what we're thinking. You know, we want this person to be happy. We want that person to be happy. We got to wear this face. We got to wear that. God wants us to be sound in our thinking and where we're going. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has given us a spirit not of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind or self controlled or self discipline. Be stable, not blown away by everything that comes and goes, by the next text, by the next story on the news, by things are failing, things are going to be great, but just up and down. No, God is the stability, the stabilizing force of our life. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, he is my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So I trust God to be in control of all these things going on in the world. I don't understand them, but I trust him. So, I will say of the Lord. So, conclude with this. What do we say of the Lord? What do we say? What is our spirit talk? The spirit talk that speaks the word to our own minds and heart. That when I feel fearful, I need to stop and say, God did not make this a spirit of fear, but of love, of strength, power, and soundness of mind. I do not need to worry. I don't need to fret. Will God get this right? (laughs) But God will take care of us. I will say of the Lord. So no matter what you may be facing, the words of your mouth will set the course. Scripture says that our words are like the rudder of a ship. The rudder can steer a great ship. So Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Let me speak what I believe. 
not what I feel and what I see in others. When you wake up, wake up with an attitude of faith. Wake up with an attitude of expectation. Remember, God is in charge. <laughs> you know, I, I'll close with this story. A guy had, I used this illustration years ago, but a guy had two dogs. And this was years ago, okay. And he would take them to town to town to fight, you know, dog fight. And he would have people bo- vote, you know, place their money, their bets on the, the, dark, the, the black dog or the white dog, you know. And all the time, this guy would, would bet on the right dog to win. And he would never bet on the same dog. And so the people said, how do you know which dog is going to win? How is it that you can predict which dog is going to defeat the other one? So it's simple. It's the one that I feed the most. <laughs> the one I feed the most is going to be the strongest for that battle. Study to show yourself approved. Study the word. And the more you feed yourself of God's word, the more we'll be able to overcome the battle. Let's stand. Thank you, God, that you have given us your word that will become our word that we can speak for our life to direct our course for you. We ask your blessing to be upon us. We ask your Holy Spirit to speak to us, speak your word to our minds and hearts that there is no fear in you. Perfect love will just push it aside. There is power in your spirit and in your word. There is security in knowing that our sins are forgiven. Our future is intact. Thank you for the past, the things that we've learned from it, our mistakes, O oh God, you have forgiven. Lead us forward. I pray, Lord, for our nation and our leaders. God, you know the future. Help us, O oh Lord, to direct ourselves and direct our lives to the place that you want us to be. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen? Amen. God bless you.